Hello and welcome to the Sandro Forte podcast. Over the many years I've been running a business, I've met many, many successful people, entrepreneurs, sports stars, celebrities, and dare I say, even royalty. So what makes a person successful? Do we know what success is? And the all-important question, can we create success for ourselves? This podcast series invites a diverse group of people to share their insights, their wisdom, and the things they've learned along the way. England's most capped rugby player, Jason Leonard, is a World Cup winner and a four-time Grand Slam champion. Rightly regarded as one of the all-time greats to pull on an England jersey, Jason was inducted into the World Rugby Hall of Fame in 2014. Since retiring from his playing days, Jason is now a board member for both the Guinness Six Nations and the British and Irish Lions. An absolutely incredible player, uh, an incredible bloke from everything I hear. I've not had the pleasure of meeting him until today, so this is a real treat for me, as I know it is for all of you listening in many different parts of the world. Uh, but Jason, um, let me start with an apology. Very difficult to do your career and all the success you've achieved justice in such a short introduction. But uh, thank you so much for finding the time for joining us on the Sandro Forte podcast. No, absolute, absolute pleasure. Yeah, no, I've been looking forward to it. Um, uh, as we sort of spoke off, offline a little while ago, a lot of the guys um, really enjoyed their experience of coming on and talking to you as well. So, so yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it. Well, I managed to demonstrate time and time again that I'm no Piers Morgan when it comes to, uh, to interviewing, but I prefer just adopting the very informal, let's have a chat and see where we go kind of philosophy. But so much that we can all learn from somebody like you. So let's probably start in the most obvious place. Where where did it all begin? Um, you know, you're a bit of a unit. So I guess when you, uh, when you were a young boy, somebody might tap you on the shoulder and said, ever thought about rugby, Jason? But apart from that, where did it all begin? Your background, you know, your school days, and that moment when you thought rugby's for me? Um, you're... You're part right. I think being quite a uh, a big kid, anyway, um, as you rightly put it, a big unit. Um, physicality to me was 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 pretty easy in that aspect. So I, I grew up in a part of uh, sort of East London, Essex, where it's all soccer. West Ham's just up the road, and Tottenham's not a million miles away, and and, and stuff like that. So we never played rugby at school. Uh, it was just pure soccer school. We had a load of kids that that, that went on to soccer honours and stuff like that. But um, and I used to play football. That, that 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 was basically it. But I've got to say, I was very rough uh, playing football in that aspect. Loved the contact, loved the tackles. Uh, and then all of a sudden, I would say at about eleven years of age, uh, a Welsh guy turned up at the school teacher. PE teacher. He was a, just a normal comp school, as I said, and just said, "Look, guys, um, I see on the school curriculum you don't you don't play rugby." And I remember the, the, the whole football team sitting there quite smug, actually saying, "Yeah, no, we don't." And he, he literally said, "Well, you will do next year, next term," and uh, and that's where it started really. And I started playing rugby, and I suppose to a certain degree, being as I said, a, a, a rough physical young person. Um, lots of energy, being told by your teachers most of the time, as in put him down, don't do that, um, 
to then being told on the rugby field, no, get stuck into it, like get the thumping in a tackle, no, hit that rug, something like that. So <clears throat> for me, it was, it was that watershed moment where that that physicality, that that uh, energy, uh, I was allowed to do it, and um, and that's when I just got the love of the game. But I think with, with, with everything in the game as well, as in. Uh, you knock lumps out of each other for 80 minutes, but then you actually shake hands as you come off the pitch and stuff like that. It was it was the values of the game as well that, that sort of drew me to it as well. So that, that was how I got into rugby, really. And then, again, it's you're playing with your mates. You're, you're playing with your friends. And, and the, the beauty of team sport, any team sport, is you don't want to let people down and people's got your back and you've got their back and stuff like that. So it was just... Uh, a great sport. You, you talk about values and, and rugby, I think we all agree it's a very unique sport in that sense that you can knock seven bells out of each other for 80 minutes and, some, and then shake hands and have a beer and everyone's mates afterwards. It is extraordinary. And I, I also look at the respect players for have for referees and it's not the same as soccer and lots of other sports. Um, are those values that you talk of, Jason, are those values that have helped you in life um, and, and in terms of what you do now, because I know that a lot of people will talk about winning and, and what it takes to become a winner. Um, but there, are there certain attributes that you've learned along the way that are, that, are, that are born from those values that have helped you to become successful or helped you to become successful? You know, World, World Cup rugby winner, um, all the things that you do now, most capped England player. There's, there's got to be some attributes that you feel that you've, got or have developed that have helped you to achieve that success? Um, <clears throat> I think there's life skills. There's life skills within within the game, the values that, you, that, that transcend just the sport itself. So you do carry it in your, in your life in that aspect. You carry on. There's that respect and how you talk to people when you're part of a team and stuff like that. I, I suppose I always remember years ago someone saying to me, and it's been very true, actually. Uh, it's nice to be important, but it's more important to be nice in that aspect. And and again, I, I, I do believe in, in karma. If you're a good person, good things happen to you and you try and help people. And it, when when you're in a bit of a hole, people will help you. So I, I do believe what what sort of goes around comes around and stuff like that. So it's, it's, it's more of a case, I, I think. And then going back to what I said earlier, Tony, was the, the team aspect where someone's got your back or you've got someone else's back. That's that's basically, I think, if if I would if I would pick one thing throughout my career, my playing career or my business life and, and what I do in, in general is you try and help, you try and help people. You do you generally do try and help people and and I do believe that then, then you you will get that back in some way, shape, or form. How, however, that manifests itself, but it, it will come back in some way. If you're a good person or trying to be a good person, that good things happen to you. I do. I do genuinely believe that. And and again, it's it, it's no skin off your nose to to sort of help someone out. It's it's it's, it's you're trying to do little and often. Really, so you can't change the world on your own. But a little thing one little thing one little gesture but if we all did one of those nice little gestures and did something it'll make the world a better place 
I do know from lots of people, because we do do our research on, on this podcast, that, that you are a really nice bloke. Um, and I don't mean nice in a, in a kind of a, a throwaway way. You are a genuinely nice guy, Jason, and I think you'd be too modest to, to say that or to agree to what I've just said. But nice is not what makes you successful on a rugby pitch, obviously. What are the what does it take physically and mentally to be a winner, to be a World Cup winner, to be England's most capped rugby player? You know, what, what are the things that you look in the mirror and go, you know, I, I kind of needed those things to have achieved the things that I've did? Because talent alone, as we see across all sports, isn't enough on its own, is it? So what are the, what's the shopping list of things that if somebody's listening to you now going, I want to I excel in sport, I want to be good in business, I want to overcome a challenge in life, whatever it happens to be, what are those things that we need to think about having or developing in order to be successful? No, no one's ever died of hard work. Um, I always remember my dad saying that it's it's all about about putting putting in the effort. It's and and doing the best you can. I mean, I mean that sounds very corny. It's it's making sure you don't leave anything behind. It's it's you, life is full of um, regret, and it's it's making sure that when you whenever in your life you look back, you don't regret something. Something happened for a reason or whatever's occurred, but you look back and go, at least I've given that 100%. I've given that my my all in that aspect. I'd say, I'd say most probably from a, a, a playing perspective and a life perspective, really, is, is trying to live your life without regrets. And, and, and that's not possible. We always look back. There's always something there. But trying to, to, to make sure that you've given something 100%, your, your all, and, and you can look back. And then whether it's a success, a success or not, actually, it doesn't really matter. You, you've given it your, your, your all. You've given it everything. That's what I think most probably is um, a key driver to, to someone who wants to succeed. And... Again, how you measure success, well, that's that's for you or other people to, to to view. But as long as you know in your heart, your heart of hearts, I've given that everything, then there's nothing wrong with that. That's you've 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 done it really. You've you've cracked it. That's a brilliantly simple philosophy. I mean, I think a lot of people would probably, you know, expect the big shopping list of all the things that you need to do. But sometimes just giving it 100 percent because we all lose lose sight of that from time to time. Um, now, obviously, given your longevity in the game uh, and the number of caps you, you've received from playing for your country, you largely avoided injury. That's because you were twice the size of everyone else, probably. But um, but what was it about you that kind of gave you the edge over opponents? Was it just physicality? Was there was there that mental strength, that, that knowing that you were always going to give 100%, never leave anything out on the pitch? I think there's, a, there's there's an element of it. Um, it, it you you realise it, it sounds quite dark actually that um, how I used to play or how I used to view playing the game <clears throat> because international rugby is very very physically and uh, mentally very hard. It's it's so much faster than normal club rugby and so much more physical in that aspect. That you do generally, I think, for the first 20 minutes, you think your heart of an international game, you, you think your heart's going to explode. 
it's it's that hard it's that fast but you know your heart is not going to explode but you, you you're thinking oh my god like my, it's gonna it, it's gonna rip to pieces sort of like that but there's 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 a certain side of you that um embraces that that, that that welcomes that that you know if if i'm putting in the effort here and my opposite numbers not i'm gonna have a good day it's it's as a as a as an individual i want to i want to be better than my opposite number but as a team if, if everybody in my team is just that little bit better than their opposite number then more often than not you'll win the game in that aspect you'll win the the physicality, the, the game itself, the the speed, the ferocity of the game, you're, you're already ahead of your opposite number. And if everybody else in your team, or the majority of your team are ahead of their opposite number, then the result should go your way. Um, and it's very much, again, going back to that teamwork, I'd look at my teammates and you'd look at Martin Johnson. Um, the, the bloke's only got 100% written all over him. He, he, he didn't know anything less than 100%. Richard Hill, Lawrence Delalio, Neil Back, all these guys. They, they, they couldn't do anything less, if you know what I mean. So for, for me, it was, it was about putting in that shift, making sure that you, you was trying to beat your opposite number, knowing that my teammates would be doing the same with their opposite numbers in, in, in that aspect. So... For me, it was it was always a case of it sounds quite dark. It's um, you, you, whether you'd call it some sort of purgatory or something like that. You'd you'd be willing to go to that place. It's not very nice. Your heart is hammering in your chest. Your lungs feel like they're going to explode. But you'd go to that place knowing that if, if I go to that place more more often than my opposite number, I'm most really going to have a better day than if it was one of those things. But also knowing that I was not on my own in that place, that all my teammates would be doing the same thing. And and then the 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 relief, the the um the joy of coming out of the end of it. And and it's I suppose you go back to what we were saying earlier, it's it, it doesn't really matter if you win or lose. You obviously everybody wants to win in, in that aspect. No one plays or does anything competitively really to lose. But as long as you've given it your best, that was that was the most important thing. As long as I could look myself in the eye, and I could look my teammates in the eye as well, and know that I've, I've given it, I've given it everything. There's no, there's nothing left I couldn't have done anymore. Then then I'd be quite happy. Win, win or lose, as I said, the, the result would be immaterial. As long as I knew that I'd given it my best and I, I could look someone like Martin Johnson in the eye, Lawrence Delalio in the eye, knowing that they'd given it their best as well. If you've won or lost, it, it, it doesn't really matter. You, you know that you've given it everything. Do you give it, looking back over your career, obviously there were moments when you know, got injured or you weren't picked for an important game, whether at club or international level. There are moments, you, you, you've used the word dark a couple of times, so let me focus on that. There are a couple of moments in your career where, you know, you felt that things weren't working out or uh, 
you were finding things particularly tough, whether it's a, a physical injury, a career-threatening injury, or the fact that you weren't in a side for an important game. How do you deal with, you know, putting aside all the passion and the love for the game and the physicality and that, that 100% don't leave it on the pitch mentality? How do you deal with the flip side of that, which is when things go wrong, when things don't work out the way you want them to? How do you pick yourself up when you live your life on the edge as you did for all that time? I, again, I, I think you've actually part explained what rugby's all about. It's, it is how you pick yourself up. You pick yourself up and dust yourself down and you get stuck back in, really, in, into the game, whether it's someone's just scored or whatever it would be. They could have well run over the top of you and scored a try, but you get up, you you go back into the fray. It's... it's, it's it's as simple as that, and 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 also, I mean, uh, I've not met. We've not really mentioned. There's a great deal of fun with this as well. In that aspect, I think <clears throat> when when you enjoy something, you 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 relish it, and you do it so much more. You've got much more vigor in, in that aspect because it's fun, and you're doing it with people you want to. And and quite generally, the, the guys that I played rugby with for a number of years are all very good mates. They're all very good, strong friends, and and I know for a fact if I if I had to pick the phone up to any one of my teammates of of that 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 England team that era, um, they'd be straight away. All right, how can I help? What do you want me to do? Uh, it, it's very much like that. So the the, the bonds that are there are, uh, are so much stronger than than just playing a game of rugby it's it's you've got it's it's corny i know a lot of people do say with rugby especially but you do make friends for life you you really do and and i, th and I think that's that's one of the driving aspects of it as well is is you don't want to let these people down you pick yourself up you, you get stuck back in and, and whatever the disappointment is as i said before as long as you know that you've you've given your best you move on. And, and, and again, you can't live your life looking over your shoulder with regret and, and, and oh, what about that game? Yeah, but we lost that game. So you, you've still got, that, that's a driver, that, that spurs you forward, but you've got to look forward to the next game, the next tournament, a World Cup, or whatever it would be in that aspect. You can't live your life looking backwards over your shoulder all the time. I love the fact that you mentioned the word fun. I don't think there's anyone listening who would consider rugby fun when you're in the heat of the battle. but. Um, you must have had a lot of fun along the way, especially with that group of lads that you won the World Cup with in 2003. Um, I mean, I, I'm just, I, I apologise before I ask the next question because you'll have been asked it a million times. Um, but any particular moments that stand out for you, Jason, uh, in terms of the fun that you had along the way? Uh, any particular stories, anecdotes, um, embarrassing moments, anything like that without obviously putting you too much on the spot? Um, I, I, I think we've been quite lucky most of the with, with our we, we've had a lot of fun along, along the way I'd, I'd mostly say you, you you win a World Cup uh, in 2003 and, and, and your, your life for the next six months was, was a whirlwind actually I mean we had a, a, a rake of dinners and <clears throat> fundraiser charity fundraisers and um you, you, we had the parade 
going going through the streets in London, we saw the Queen, and we went to Ten Downing Street. So you've got all this, and and again, it's it, you've got to pinch yourself to a certain degree. It's just I'm, I'm just a rugby player, really. Um, I, I couldn't believe it on 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 the parade in London. There, there's seven. 750,000 people in the streets of London celebrating our, our, our win and we're on the bus going through. But there was, there was people, I remember seeing, um, going through all these people, so it's, it's, it's literally it's quite a weird one. There's so many people there, you don't you think you wouldn't recognise anyone, but there was uh, the wife of one of my Harlequin's teammates, uh, Paul Challoner, his wife, Della, and she was beside the bus. She was there. And then and I always laugh because I, I used to always take Paul out for a sneaky couple of drinks and this and the other. So I always thought Della didn't really like me that much. And as we're driving through down Oxford Street or Regent Street, or she's she's down beside the bus. And I'm there going, oh, hello, Della, sort of thing like that. And, and, and the excitement and everything, she's screaming. I'm there just going, what are you screaming for? I used to think you used to hate me. <laughs> Um, and then I remember on, on one of the rooftops, as, as, as we was going through somewhere, there was uh, a great friend, uh, Terry Gunyon, and his wife, Janet. And, 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 and they're shouting and screaming. I'm like, what are you doing up there? Sort of thing like that. It's, it was quite surreal. It was quite surreal. And then, and then again, you do that. Then, then it was Buckingham Palace afterwards. Then it was 10 Downing Street afterwards. And uh, and you, you are there sort of pinching yourself, just saying, I'm a, I'm a boy from sort of East End of London. What, what am I doing here? Sort of thing like that. So that, those those sort of memories stick in the mind. Your, your modesty is obvious, Jason. Uh, all I can say, uh, I think you're probably fair to think that Della didn't like you because any... Any uh, any wife whose husband was being taken out for a few drinks by Jason Leonard was probably have reason to worry because I don't think I'd come back in a terrible state if you took me out for a few drinks. Um, so t- t- let's go back to 2003. Every, everyone listening will be sending us emails uh, destroying me if I don't ask you about 2003. And, and I'm not suggesting for one moment we just, you know, that's the only highlight of Jason Leonard's career. But it but it was it was a big moment in in. British sporting history. Um, but what was it about? I mean, a lot of people talk about Clive Woodward's leadership and uh and Martin Johnson's captaincy, but it was the team ethic, wasn't it, that that was so special. Um, anyone you talk to that was part of that um incredible triumph talks about that team ethic. But what was it that made that team so special that ha- actually hasn't been emulated since? So why is it that that group of people had a communication, had a teamwork that was so stand out? Um, I, I think it's a really tough, tough thing to answer. I, I think most probably everybody uh, in business speak is very lame in that aspect. Everyone bought into it. But everyone generally did in that aspect. There was no egos in that that squad in 2003, everyone just wanted to be the, the best they possibly could. Um, it, to a certain degree, it, it was a case of every day, you wanted to be better than what you was yesterday. And then the next day, you wanted to be even better than today in that aspect. And, and I don't think just as a 
professional rugby player in that in, in that aspect. I think it's a person. Uh, uh, there's there's always a great thing with someone like uh, Mike Johnson, uh, who was a, a, a fantastic captain. But we was all part of a team. When I say that, it's just not the players, but the coaches as well. And but even the the, the, the guy who used to look after our kit and. So you, you can imagine a training session. You've just not lumped out of each other for two hours or something like something like that. And there'd be kit everywhere. There'd be combs. There'd be balls. There'd be bibs. All, all, all spread out over a, a training field. And and it was a case of the kit man would be picking it up, and and the players would help him because he's part of our team. Is he's, he's one of us. So we 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 all we all felt like that really. Um, and and he was an integral part of our team in that aspect. Well, why wouldn't you help him pick up kit? Well, that's his job. No, but why wouldn't you do that? It's, we're all part of the same team. And I think that's most probably the standout for me of, of that sort of squad of 2003 was. Didn't matter if he was Clive Woodward or Martin Johnson or, or the kit man. We, we're all part of the same team. Mm. Jason, tell us, I, I, I don't just want to focus on your playing career because you're doing so much for the sport now and, and for people in business. Just tell us a little bit about what you're doing now uh, in terms of the roles that you you fulfil within um, the Guinness Six Nations, British and Irish Lions, and, and of course, other stuff that you're doing outside of those things as well. Okay, so uh, rugby-wise, I'm part of the, the RFU. I sit on the RFU Council as a... a um, Lions and Six Nations uh, representation. So I sit on the board of the Six Nations and the British and Irish Lions. I ch- I'm chairman of the British and Irish Lions that, that is soon to go to South Africa um, for all of July and the first week of August uh, to play against South Africa over there. Um, I, 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 I still try and get around as many junior rugby clubs as I can. I'm still a life member down at Barking Rugby Club, where obviously I grew up. Grew up so I try and get down there every once in a while. Um, in, in business, uh, I'm a senior advisor to the insurance industry um, with uh, a broker a, a broker out of Lloyd's, Lloyd's of London. Um, that's... That's very always been very exciting. That's always great people to work with, and the industry is a great industry. Um, and then with that, uh, again, I set up a, a charity a number of years ago, uh, the Atlas Foundation, that helps kids in predominantly slums around the world, and, and trying to help educate them and, and give them the the, the ability to not just survive, but thrive, really, and, and, and to, to get out of the slum. Because a lot of the places that we went playing rugby, <coughs> excuse me, which is fantastic. Rugby is a, a great game, a great sport, and great people. But the one thing that always shocked me about rugby is, whilst there's a certain, dare I say, affluence around rugby, no matter where you went in the world, right next door to that that affluence in that aspect was was poverty. I mean, you go to Buenos Aires, 
which is a beautiful place. Go to Argentina. It's a lovely place, lovely people and, and stuff like that. But the second you come out of Buenos Aires, Buenos Aires it's, it's, it's shantytown. You go to Cape Town, it's exactly the same. Uh, Cape Town by the waterfront and everything. And it's beautiful. But all you've got to do is turn right and a couple of hundred yards down the road is, is literally corrugated iron shacks and, and this. And so, so I, I was very much a, 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 just wanted, again, going back, again, trying to help. Just do a little, a little thing if you can every day for someone else that's in a a, a worse off position than you. Mm. I also want to talk, Jason, about um, transition. So, you know, you you live in this bubble, if I can call it that, for uh, in your case a fairly lengthy period of time, achieving all the success you do, living the life that you love, and and a sport that you're so passionate about. And then it all stops. How do you deal with the transition from one place to another? I mean, it's, it strikes me from everything I've heard today, you just took it all in your stride. But a lot of people find it really, really difficult, don't they, to move from one place to another. And, you know, you know your work with Switch to Play and, and other uh, charitable organisations that you've mentioned do, do recognise that a lot of sports people in particular find that transition very, very difficult. How did you deal with it when it, when it all suddenly ended? I, I think I was quite um, fortunate in, in a number of aspects, but one 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 of the reasons why most probably I didn't have any issues in that aspect was um, I was I was already working. I mean, um, professional sport, whilst it, it it's great, you're living your dream. You're you're you're. Uh, so I used to play for for. Harlequins and and England when the game was amateur. So you, you you didn't earn any money out of it. It was your hobby. And then all of a sudden the game turned professional in oh, 1995. Um, so all of a sudden your hobby become your job. Um, but I, I, I was still working. I was still doing stuff at, at that time. And he, even though it, 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 you, you can't be a rugby player 24 hours a day, you're, 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 you're like, you'll have burnout, you'll have issues in that aspect. You can't be training for 24 hours a day. You can't, you can't be watching videos of the opposition for 24 hours a day. You, 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 you become a, a, a nutcase in that aspect. So, so I made sure that my, my, my downtime, my, my, to a certain degree, relaxation, was going back into the office, was, was carrying on, what you say, some sort of diluted role with the work, but I, I still carried on working. And so, so for me, going, going back into the workplace, it wasn't as uh, drastic as some of the other players. And you've you got to remember, that's most really been... Um, that's mostly been multiplied in recent years where actually some of the, the younger players now, the more modern day player, has never known anything else apart from rugby. Mm. So they, they come out of school, they go into a rugby club academy, and then from the rugby club academy, they go into, say, Harlequins or Northampton or Wasps, first team. Then they start playing for England and, and they have a career. And then once that stops... Um, yeah, you're right. It's it's literally walking off a cliff in in that aspect. So 
that these guys, I think, uh, um, sadly, have, have felt it more than me. But because I come from an amateur background, I was still in touch with work. I was still doing a day a week, maybe a day in an afternoon, or go out with clients for a round of golf. So, so, so I managed to keep my sanity most probably a, a little bit better than most. But I think that's that's going to be a problem for the the modern day player is what happens once that that adulation stops what 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 do you do afterwards um and it's something that we've got to look we've got to keep an eye out for as well especially how important mental health is as an issue at this moment in time in the world mm. but especially in in sports people in that aspect uh, what what do you do afterwards what what is the life after playing rugby or soccer or whatever it would be and we've got to make sure that we we can cater for those players mm. Jason, I, I mean, I wish I, we could carry on talking. Uh, sadly, we can't because time is against us. But a couple of quick things before we leave each other, if that's okay. Firstly, how do people connect with you, find out what you're doing? Um, particularly interested to know about the Atlas Foundation. So um, if that's anywhere that we can find it on the internet, um, please let us know. But otherwise, how do we how do we find Jason Leonard? Uh, social media or you old dinosaur like me? Um, I'm, I'm a little bit of an old dinosaur like you. I, I do a bit of social media, but I, I don't do a, a great deal of it. Um, it's, it's more fun. And, and, and again, it's one of these ones. Uh, I, I don't think I, I would use social media as a voice and, and stuff like that. I, 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 I enjoy it, but I don't, I don't massively, massively do a lot of it. Um, but no, you can you can find me anywhere on the on the lines on the England. Uh, the Atlas Foundation is is most probably the, the the place to go. To be quite honest, to find out what we're doing with some of the the young kids at this moment in time, we, we've just delivered uh, uh, or in the process of delivering uh, a mobile classroom to a number of schools in uh, South Africa. Uh, which is fantastic, which is it's loaded with laptops and everything like that. So we, we can get get sort of like uh, a thousand kids a week that wouldn't get a chance. Obviously, I mean, you think about poverty in South Africa, but especially regarding computers and laptops and, and the like. So getting these kids, again, trying to give them the education that they can rise and, and come get out of the, the slums in, in that aspect, give, give them aspirations in that aspect. Um, so no, it's, it's, I'm, I'm most probably a little bit like yourself, so I'm, I'm, I'm a bad penny. I, I turn up everywhere. Don't worry about that. It's <laughs> one of those. Very good. Uh, final question, Jason, um, and thank you again for joining us. If a younger version of Jason Leonard, heaven forbid, we found a, a, a smaller version of you, but um, you know what I mean. So a younger version of you came up to you one day and said, Daddy, Jason, um, given all of your experience of life, that, that sanguine laid back approach, but all the other things that have made you successful. If there was just one thing that I could focus on above all the other things that you've learned, all those philosophies that you have, the, the mantra about success, teamwork, leadership, all those other things you've spoken about, what would be one thing? If it was one thing that stood out about everything else that could help a younger version of you on that path to success, whatever success is in life, what would it be? Um, it's a trick one. Okay. If it was just the one, if it was just the one, one thing, we, we broached on it 
a little bit earlier. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. Uh, you, you can't do anything in this life if you don't enjoy it. You've got to enjoy it. And if you don't enjoy it, what's the point? You've got to, no matter what you do, if, depending if you're an England rugby player or you're a, a bin man, it doesn't matter. You, you've got to take pride and enjoyment of what you do and how you help people, how you conduct yourself and stuff like that. I would say to a younger version of me, whatever you decide to do, whatever, wherever you do it, however you do it, enjoy it. Fantastic. And I've got to say, if you don't mind me saying this, sir, you look you look good for a for a very long career. Like you're in good shape. You. I was expecting expected bits to be hanging off you by now, but you're, okay. you're in really good shape. There's, there's bits hanging off me. You just can't see it. That's, that's, that's all it is. <laughs> Jason Leonard, thank you so much for joining us on the Sandro Forte podcast. Um, I, I'm, you have not disappointed any of the, I don't know, it's a very substantial number of people now in 51 countries listening. But thank you very, very much for your, your wisdom, your insights, and, and a sneak peek into uh, your longevity and success in the game of rugby. No, thank you. Absolute pleasure. Absolute pleasure.